0: Psalm 47, 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Verse 5. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. With the help of the Lord, I want to speak to you on a shout and a song. Why don't you try it out right now? Amen. You may be seated. Psalm 47 belongs to a category of psalms known as enthronement psalms. They celebrate the kingship of the Lord over all of human history, over every event and every government, that He is the King of all the earth. Psalm 47, along with Psalm 93, Psalms 96 through 99 are all enthronement psalms focused with the theme of exalting the kingship of the Lord God Jehovah. We know that He is God alone. There is none beside Him. He sits on the circle of the earth, He rules in the heavens above. Amen? He sits on the circle of the earth, and no one can stay or stop His hand. He is sovereign and can do whatever He chooses. We understand that Jehovah, Yahweh of the Old Testament, became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. As of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Jesus Christ was God. Manifested in the flesh. So when I speak of God. There is one God. Beside him there is no other. Amen. That Jesus Christ is God alone. He inhabits time and space. He is the king of Of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords now in a Republic form of government a democracy we don't understand the monarchy of the Old Testament in many countries around the world but the kingdom of God the church it is not a democracy It is not even a republic. It is an absolute monarchy, but it really is a theocracy. It is the rule and reign of Almighty God over His people and over His kingdom. God is not a figurehead as a king. His role is not ceremonial. His right to the throne of heaven and earth was not granted by generational succession. The title of king was not just given to him by the popular vote of the people. Jehovah deserves the position, the title of king, because of his victory in battle over all of his enemies. You see, Israel grew up as a nation while they were in Egyptian bondage. For 430 years, they never really saw the mighty hand of God demonstrated until he delivered them out. Of Egyptian bondage. He led them out with a high hand. They were baptized under the cloud and in the sea by Moses. He took them to the brink of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army pursuing hot behind them. But the Lord opened a way in the sea, and Israel passed through on dry ground. When Pharaoh's army attempted to pursue, their chariot wheels were stuck in the mud, and the Lord closed the waters of the sea back on them. On the other side of the Red Sea, in the first battle that they had ever seen God fight, Moses and the children of Israel begin to sing this song to the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare a habitation for him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Moses saw God in a new light, something he had never before seen. He said, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now you may see the Lord as a good shepherd As your provider As your Jehovah Jireh You may know him as your way maker But when he faces down your foes When he walks in the room When everyone else has walked out You will know that he is King of kings and Lord of lords He is the Lord God almighty He is mighty In battle doing wonders The Lord is a man Of war what he did in military might in the Old Testament, he can do in the New Testament by his spiritual power. And don't ever doubt it. At the battle of Armageddon. At the end of this world. When he overcomes every adversary of his people. When he binds Satan for a thousand years. And then casts him in the bottomless pit forever. That our God will ultimately be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are in a battle. We're fighting it with spiritual warfare. But we're serving under a king that has never lost a battle. Never known defeat. Never fought to a draw. There's never been a truce on his behalf. Amen. He is the king. And he is worthy of the title. King of kings. A man of war. We call him the prince of peace. But he's only the prince of peace. Because he is mighty in battle. He won that peace through the battle of the cross. By defeating Satan. By putting him under his feet. He is called in the Bible the Lord of hosts or the Lord of heaven's armies, that band of angel armies that God commands, King over all the earth, because he has defeated every enemy and silenced every threat. And when Psalm 47 introduces us to Jesus Christ, to Jehovah, the King, he begins by telling us in advance of the instruction of the Psalm, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yeah. Clapping your hands is an outward expression of something you're feeling on the inside. You may applaud because of a sense of gratitude. You may clap your hands in a congratulatory applause. But that expression of feeling something that you want to express is almost universally expressed by the applause of people around the world. In some countries, it is done in unison. In some settings, it is done quietly. You may applaud for a piano solo or a celebration of victory by your favorite team. One commentary Tater, that I read on this psalm made me laugh a little bit. He must have been from a, a very quiet church background. He said that applause is something that most of us associate with a football stadium, not a church. But he said in this psalm, we are directed to applaud the Lord. He said this is not a quiet psalm. It includes shouting and trumpets and singing. It celebrates the king over all the earth. So this act of clapping our hands, of striking our palms together is designed to make some noise to celebrate something we believe in, something we're proud of, of a victory that has been won. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. It is designed to make some noise And why not our king is worthy Amen, Amen. Clap your hands all oh, you peoples Now he doesn't say all you Jews All you Israelites All you natural lineage of Abraham He says all you peoples This is not to just national Israel But this psalm is prophetic Looking ahead to an international congregation Like we will see in heaven Where there are nations and kindreds, and people, and tongues, all clothed with white robes, with palm branches in our hands, as we celebrate the final victory of Almighty God over every enemy that has ever opposed His rule and His reign. This psalm is a powerful psalm. Oh, clap your hands, oh ye people, and then shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I grew up in Pentecostal church, and to us, shouting was often synonymous with dancing, dancing before the Lord, which is a biblical form of worship, not something that we created in Pentecostal circles. It is biblical. It is bigger than any denomination, and it should be practiced by people who can. Amen? Not who lost their dance, but who's still able to do it. Amen? Shouting means just that, to yell, to scream, to holler. You know what that is? To lift your voice. And it's not optional. I don't see any fine print here for just the extroverts to clap your hands or shout with a voice of triumph. It really comes out of a heart that is submitted to the kingship of Almighty God. It's not contingent on your moods, it's not contingent on your personality, it is contingent on your submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Oh, clap your hands, all oh, ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen If you feel your comfort zone Shrinking right now Praise God for that The Bible said that praise Is is unto God It is both pleasant And it is comely It's beautiful to watch And it's enjoyable Amen Praise is not out of order. Praise that magnifies God and ignores every human audience is the praise that got the attention of God. When David danced before the Lord with all of his might and even his wife disdained his praise but he said, I will be more vile the next time than this time." He said, I didn't do it for your audience. I did it unto him who called me before your father. You didn't save me. He saved me. Thank you. I need to be kinder and gentler to the microphone. <laughs> Clap your hands, all you people mentioned one time in the Bible, one time in the book of Psalms, but shouting unto God seven times more. Now, there's no law here, but what if you shouted seven times more, maybe a little bit louder, than you clapped your hands? You know, there are some congregations that they've kind of given way to this and they've lost the exuberant shout. Amen? Shout unto God, the psalmist said, with a voice of triumph. What do you shout about? Most of us have been shouted at more than we've been shouted for. Shouting can be an expression of anger by some out of control offended friend. Shouting can be a warning, like the obnoxious horn that blows to tell you to get out of my lane. Shouting can be instructional, like a coach yelling at his team on the field or the court. Or a sergeant screaming at the soldiers to obey his command. But Psalm 47 gives us a particular tenor, a tone of this shout It is shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. Now there's a little difference, the nuance of a victory and a triumph. A victory is when the ball crosses the goal line or goes in the hoop or in the cup for the final time and the score says that you won. That is victory. But a triumph is the celebration of that victory. So when we shout, Unto God with a voice of triumph, we are celebrating what God has done. So that's why the psalmist said, Oh, clap your hands, oh, ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Lift your voice up, modulate your monotone voice a little bit, lift it up to the Lord with a shout, a shout, a shout. just got excited because I felt calls coming down. I felt demonic oppression coming down. That's it. Why don't you pull down some calls? Cast down some imaginations. Get rid of some high things that have been exalting yourself against the knowledge of God. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Our shout is about the spiritual victories the Lord has won. Greater than a grand slam or a 100 yard kickoff return. It is greater than any feat that any human army has ever won. The victories of Jesus Christ are unparalleled by any other victory ever won in any arena of humanity through the totality of history. His victories... Make the World Series seem like the Little League World Series. It dwarfs everything else. It is a victory of our God over every enemy that has opposed him. I may seem like a spiritual cheerleader here today. That's okay with me. Because I realize that prayer and fasting are weapons. I realize that submission is a secret weapon. But praise and worship to God is an overt weapon. Like Jehoshaphat's praisers that went out before him and when they praised the beauty of holiness the Lord set ambushments in the camp of the enemy. There's something that is released in the heavenlies when you give glory to the almighty God and you let him know that he is the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. Amen. Verse 2. Why? Why would you want to act crazy like this? For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. We clap our hands and we shout with a voice of triumph because of who he is. He's awesome. The King James uses the word terrible. The original means to be feared. He is to be held in awe by his saints. And he is to be held in fear by his adversaries. The Bible says that the devils know there is one God and they tremble. That's why when Jesus confronted the demon-possessed man that I preached about recently, they said, are you come to destroy us before the time?" We know there's a time, but we know you're sovereign and you can do whatever you want to do anytime you want to do it. They know the ultimate goal. They know what the score is going to be at the end of the age. He's a terrible God. He is to be feared. He's to be held in wonder. He's a warrior king. The, the Lord is a man of war. see in ancient times, Kings who sat on thrones and ruled and made decisions also rode on horses and in chariots into the battle with their men. They didn't stay back in some faraway place and make decisions that other generals and men would carry out. But they went into battle with their people. David's greatest mistake in his life came when he was supposed to go to war. It was a time that kings went to war, but David tarried still in Jerusalem, 2 Samuel 11.1 tells us. But our God, he's not just a figurehead, as I said. He's not just a, a ruler that sits behind a large desk, but he is a man of war who rides into battle ahead of us, leading us the charges before us. He is a, a man of war. Amen. He is an awesome God. He's an awesome God. And He is a great king over all the earth. Verse 3. When He goes into war, He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. Verse 3 refers to past, present, And future victories that our king has won. And he says he will put the people under us. And the nations under our feet. I preached about this in my message on submission last week. That Jesus Christ is the head of his body, the church. He's above us. We're under his authority. And everything that is under his authority is under our authority When we are in a place of submission to His Lordship in every area of our life. You can't say no, Lord. If you say no, He's not Lord. Got it? If it's under His feet and we're under His head, then it is under our feet. Psalm 47 repeats this idea that he will subdue the peoples under us. Peoples, plural. And the nations under our feet. This is a word picture of what happened in military conquests. When a king would go capture a neighbor or an opposing king and lead them back, remember the Bible in Psalms and also in Ephesians, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. So here he comes, leading all this train of enemies behind him. He's got this enemy king behind him. He brings him into the public square of the country where everyone can see. He makes him submit. He lies down on the ground. He is vanquished. He is conquered. And the conquering king takes his big foot and puts it on his neck to let everybody know that he is under my feet. I need a volunteer right now. I want to just demonstrate this a minute. Maybe not. No takers. That's where your enemy belongs. That's where temptation belongs. That's where the works of the flesh belong. That's where bitterness and angerness, anger and unforgiveness belong. They belong under his feet, under your feet. So why don't today in the spirit, why don't you put your foot on the neck of the devil, on all the stuff that used to trouble you that got in your head and controlled you. It belongs under your control because you're under his control. He will subdue the peoples under us and nations under our feet. Verse four. He will choose our inheritance for us. You may think you know what's best for your life, But if you just pick it, you're going to be underperforming. Like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would have chosen less than the best that God had for them. He gave them the land of Canaan at a strategic crossroads of three continents and between the two great river civilizations. If we pick what we think is best for us, we will under-choose underperform. But the Lord said, I have chosen your inheritance for you. And he gave them the land of Canaan that flowed with milk and honey. And the spiritual inheritance of the church is better than you can ever imagine. Amen. Go ahead and ask and think. But he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that is at work. In you. Verse 5. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Now the king is going up to some noise. The noise of a shout. The blaring of those ram horns or silver trumpets. But he's going up. Because he first came down. He ascended the Bible says. But he first descended into the lower part of the earth. He came down to fight for them. So now he's ascending back up as a triumphant king. This is a word picture again. Of the Ark of the Covenant. That sacred structure. That box that represented the power of God to all of Israel. And they bring it back into the city. They're taking it up to the temple mount. Into the temple. Into the holiest of holies. They see God going up. But as he's going up, there is a shout. And the sound of trumpets. Because this is a triumph. This is a celebration that our God has once again won the victory. Amen. His enemies are under his feet. That's the fallen spiritual world and the pseudo-intellectual secular world. You may not think a lot about the devil, but he's real. He's your adversary. He's seeking whom he may devour, but God has triumphed over him and now he's going up, up, up. He's ascended on high. He has all power in heaven and in earth. He's gone up with the sound of the trumpet. The Bible pictures the Lord coming from Bozra this place behind enemy lines. And when they see him, they said, who is this who's coming from Bozrah? His garments are red like he's been standing where they're crushing the grapes. But the Lord says, I have treadden the winepress alone. I have gone and fought for you. In my anger he said. I have trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled on my garment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart. The Lord said. And the year of my redeemed has come. You see when God up with the shout. It's bad news for them and it's good news for us. It's vengeance on the devil and it's redemption for us. Amen. That's why I say again today, oh clap your hands. Oh you people shout it to God with a voice of triumph. So that's why we give him glory and we give him praise. God has gone up with a shout and the voice of a trumpet. Verses six and seven. Verse six is written for the slow learners among us. Sing praises to God. I said sing praises. It doesn't say I said. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. but I'm tone deaf. Four times, sing praises. Count verse five, verse seven. The fifth time for God is the king of all the earth. He tells you why. Some people say, you know, you Pentecostal people, it's just all emotionalism. Well, you're emotional. Everybody's emotional. Some hide it. Some express it. Some only show it when they're angry. Some only show it when their team wins. Some only show it when their kids are bad or their spouse has made them angry. You're emotional. Unless you're on something, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, unless you're on something that has kind of suppressed your emotions, you are emotional. (laughs) But our worship, while it is emotional, it is not emotional-ism. It is not based on a feeling. It is based on a fact. Verse 7 says, sing praises with understanding. That's a didactic song. That's a song that has got words that actually mean something. Oh like da 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 bum You know, sometimes we do oh, oh 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 whatever we do, and that's okay to put that in there a little bit. But we have a reason we sing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I want you to sing praises, he said, with understanding, for God is the king of the whole earth. Amen. So if you happen to be a slow learner, Psalms. You know, with all the limited space in the Bible, five times in two verses, he tells you to sing. That doesn't mean join the choir. That means right where you are right now. (laughs) That doesn't just mean on Sunday. That means when you're going down the road on Monday. And he didn't just sing, say, sing a song. He said sing praises to God. So you might need to choose what you're listening to if you're gonna direct it to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You may need to change the station. Yeah. Well, I'm preaching right now. <laughs> the reason some of you can't put the devil under your feet is because of what you put in your head. You want to have the best of both worlds and ride the fence and do whatever you want to do from Monday to Saturday and come expect to have a praise that just emanates out of your heart. So sing praises with understanding, amen? That's what the Bible says. You see, because God is always good, we should always be grateful. Verse 8, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Has it ever occurred to you that God is not insecure? God is not nervous or worried or biting his nails about the, con- the condition of our culture in 2018? I mean, it's not pleasing to him, but he's not uptight about how this game is going to end. All right. All right. Man, he went to the fridge to get another snack. He's just chilled out. He's not nervous at all. Everybody else is biting their nails, worried. You know, is it going to be a Hail Mary pass? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And God says, I've already got it figured out. And by the way, I already told you how it ends. So why don't you just relax with me? (laughs) He reigns over the nations. Egypt, Babylon, Persia. Nebuchadnezzar learned this hard lesson. He said, you know what I learned? That I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. He said the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and no no one can stay or stop his hand or look at God and say why did you do that don't question any call he's ever made amen because he reigns he reigns in the economy he reigns in the government he reigns in the culture He's in charge of it all. And while people may be against God and against culture, it is the people who have submitted themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ who win in the end. So don't capitulate, don't cave in to the pressure of the world around you. He is the king of all the earth. <laughs> he sits on his holy throne, he's unmoved. And it is an undisputed throne. His decrees and his commands are all holiness and righteousness. And he's not dismayed or in a dilemma. Amen. Verse 9. The shields of the earth. Let me back up. The princes of the people have gathered together. The people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the of the earth. Belong to God. He. Is greatly. Exalted. Let me tell you about God. He's a shield. Collector. <laughs> a shield. Is a defensive. Piece of weaponry. Right? It is to. To quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. In the spiritual sense. Part of our spiritual warfare. But a shield is often emblematic of a king, a nation. You know, those shields often have the decoration, a not a logo, but an emblem on them, right? This is a shield of this country and the shield of that country, the shield of this king and the shield of that king. But our God is a shield collector, one by one by one. And Psalm 47 is prophetic when the Lord said, for the shield's Of the earth. Belong to God. Come into his museum. Where he has collected the shields of Egypt. And Babylon. And Persia. And Greece. And Rome. And the revived Roman Empire. Will come into his fold. And there is no power. There is no king. There is no military force. That will not come under his authority. The shields. Of the earth. Belong to the Lord. He is greatly exalted. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought every shield, every power to the obedience of Christ. Would you bow your heads right now? The Lord is the king of the earth. And so today is he your king. When you walk out the doors of this sanctuary today, back into a world that is not a sanctuary. Who do you serve? Who do you worship? Who do you praise? If you've not come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ right now, I give you an opportunity to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Whether you're a Christian or a first-time person who's ever felt the presence of God Would you say, Jesus, forgive me today. Would you come into my heart for I need to turn my life over to your lordship. There's too many things that have been in your head. You'd like to think that you're controlling your own destiny. But you know that you are being controlled. But today the King of kings and the Lord of lords has stepped onto the battlefield of your life. And if you would submit to his lordship, He will not just stand back from afar and call the shots, but He will go to battle for you and He will defeat the enemy in your life by the power of His powerful name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand to your feet right now and would you obey the injunction of Psalm 47.1? Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples, and shout unto God with a voice a triumph